Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Some people might have been confused because I have a video 10 questions for atheists and a lot of atheists have been responding to it, but and then we said we were going to respond to all those, and we haven't. And we and we've been responding. We've done up to number four. But uh, but today we're actually responding to an atheist's ten questions for us. Well, for Christians, and we happen to be two of. Mm-hmm. So um, so we're going to give it a shot. I never heard of this atheist before. Um, and uh, but but he seems to have a good. Good spirit, Pritchett. Seems to be a nice guy. Sure. Anything you have to say before we jump in here? Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. And happy holidays to those of you that don't... uh... To the atheists, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. To those who celebrate Uh, other holidays, though. I'm I'm being told I'm not allowed to pray for atheists. Someone says they can't hear me. Can't. can't It looks like I'm coming through fine, but I don't know. Hmm. Speak up, Bridget. I just speak up. I have this thing right here. Talk about something for a minute, and I'll see if I can resolve the issue. Okay. Well, maybe the issue's been resolved, and we're just still. Well, you mumble as part of the problem. Listen I do mumble. Yourself. Right. So, people, you need to turn your audio up. I'm a mum. No audio on. Oh, when you go to the Pritchett cam, there's no audio. Oh, no audio on the Pritchett cam. Right. That's unacceptable. Now try. Okay. I have no idea if it's working or it's not. Working. Okay. It's working. It's working. Okay, we're back now. Um, okay, sorry guys. Technical difficulties. That's going to look funny at the beginning of the show. It's on the Pritchett cam. I'm, it's happened before. It's happened before. Nobody's going to notice on the Pritchett cam. Okay, I know. All right, so uh, we're gonna, <laughs> So what we're saying is we're going to jump into this guy's questions. Yeah, and, 10 uh, of them. So let's blow yeah. through this because that could take forever. Yeah, and then we'll do Q&A afterwards. Yeah. But here, here he goes. Hey, what's up? I'm Dallas Wade, and welcome back to another worship service. Today I would like to ask a few questions to Christians. Some of these questions are fairly simple, but others are questions that I actually personally never heard brought up in church or ever addressed by any Christians outside of it. And I think these are interesting questions that could lead to some productive conversations or some introspective journeys by the people answering them or those of us who are reading. Now, I'm not making fun of this guy. So Dallas Wade, if you see this, I'm not making fun of you. I, I'm. I, this is a legitimate question. Should I start wearing one of these bandanas around my head? No. When it gets hot outside and, and I sweat, it does go in my eyes because I don't have any hair. You in the audience tell me, should I get a bandana like that? And if so, he what can color, pull it off. You can't pull it what, off. What color and what and should it have a it's graphic? It's gonna look like Luther's hairdo if you had a bandana on your head. Should it have a a graphic or should it say yeah. something? No. Just no. 
All right, here he goes. Or listening to the people answering them. And so I would encourage any Christian watching this to leave your answers down below, high. or even better yet, make a video answering these questions and sharing your own thoughts. And if you do that, comment the link down below and I will go check out your video and you will have my fullest attention. Nice guy. And I would very much like to hear answers from as many Christians as possible because I know that Christians are a very diverse group of people with very diverse beliefs coming from very diverse backgrounds and so i expect that if enough christians respond we will get some very diverse answers and i would very much like to see that so share this video so as many christians as possible can share their knowledge and join into the conversation so with all of that out of the way here are 10 questions for christians 10 questions when did you become a christian Okay, uh, Pritchett, when did you become a Christian? When I was 17 years old, my friend Nick Williams invited me to go to uh, his youth group's big rally that they were having at Geyer Springs Baptist Church, which is actually not located on Geyer Springs Road like it used to be. By then it had moved to being off of Interstate I-30, but they still called it Geyer Springs First uh or Gower Springs Baptist Church or something like that. Anyway. Nobody cares about those kinds of details. Brian Roden will appreciate this, and he's a patron. That's so one we person. Give, we give, yes, who gives money. We don't so, just make this so, show for Brian Roden. Right. Although we're glad for Brian Roden. But we do give a little bit extra to those who give a little bit back. So That's not why you did that. Just go, just tell your story. So, well, just I, I, my friend Nick was aware by the way that I was living my life that even though I claimed nominal Christianity and, you know, had a, a you know, Christian parents and all of that, uh, he knew that uh, I wasn't a believer because um, of the way that I was living my life. And he said, well, you know, since you're a Christian, you ought to come to this. And so I, I did. And then I... So the setup is you already, you already had, you were professing Christ. You just don't think you were legitimately born again yet. Yeah, I would say I was, well, I was confessing cultural Christianity, so to speak. You know, I mean, that was, you know, okay, that's what we were. Um, but I didn't have any sort of evidence in my life. And I'm thankful uh, that that my friend Nick was being judgmental about that and decided to invite me to, to um, go to this youth rally where the, the, the speaker, um, he gave a message and I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And guess what, Braxton? I responded to that conviction, and it was during, you know, one of those horrible things that you do yourself that we call altar calls that are the bane of a certain segment of American evangelicalism. But Yeah, we're out here trying to reach people yeah. for Jesus, and Christians are saying they can get saved, just not that way. Right. They're not allowed to get saved at the I front of a church building. I even prayed a prayer to, you know— Give my life to Jesus, which you should never. You can come to Jesus however you want, but by golly, don't say a prayer when you do it because that's that's awful too, according yeah. to certain Christians. But uh, I said a prayer, and um, well, uh, I, I that's when I and then I got baptized sh shortly thereafter. So that's when I became a Christian at seventeen. Yeah, I um, let me let me put this up here so I don't forget it, but then I'm going to answer it in a second. Um, <clears throat> I, I've, I think it was, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> is one at two times. So when I was about six years old, five or six years old, 
I remember this very clearly. It made an impression on the brown shag carpet in our living room in Jacksonville, Florida. And I, I told my parents that I knew I was a sinner. I knew that Jesus died for my sins and I wanted to be saved. And, um, and so, uh, so I, I brought that, I brought that out and my father helped me out with that, told me what basically I needed to do was to trust Jesus, repent of my sins, turn to him. Um, there's always a person in our comments, by the way, that says Christians shouldn't repent of their sins. I, I never understand this. Uh, repent, the Bible says. But anyway, um, I thought you'd have more to say about that. But anyway, um, and I was baptized that morning. Now, later on in uh, about 1991, I was listening to my father preach. And I went downstairs. I left the church building, the church, the, the sanctuary, went downstairs uh, to like a fellowship hall type thing, like where you eat and stuff underneath the, the sanctuary. And um, I told the Lord, I said, I don't know what's happening right now. I, I really don't believe that I'm saved. I really don't believe that I'm in Christ, to use biblical language. And so um, I, I want to be, and if that hasn't happened before, I'm repenting of my sins and trusting in you now. And going forward, I'm going to live for you and be your disciple. So it was one of those two times. Yeah. I don't know. But to answer honestly atheist question about what what's the purpose of this? Is there an implication that everyone was agnostic or even atheist prior to this? I, I don't think so. I'll tell you why I think this typically gets asked. He said he's never heard people answer this before. But this question, I've heard this question asked quite a bit. And one of the reasons that people will say that they're asking it is, you didn't become a Christian like after you got all the evidence and decided that it was true on the basis of evidence, right? You were from an early age, you you were a Christian already. It didn't have anything to do with apologetics or anything like that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I may remain a Christian because of apologetics, or I may remain in the in the church, and I may, you know, that that may all be true. I, I may find it to be true, but on the basis of apologetics. But I got saved early on. I mean, unless they're gearing up to aim at the genetic fallacy, I don't see the point of making those. But he doesn't say any of that. You're right. right. And, and so, but, but those who do, I mean, what difference does it make? I learned that the sun was a hot yellow gas ball from a comic book. Yeah, but when did you so first what? begin learning about the sun? You believed in the sun when, from the time you were a kid, didn't you? Reading comic books, yeah, and yeah. I learned that it was a giant ball of gas. And and you're making the point that comic books are a terrible way to learn truths about the universe, but that doesn't mean that you're wrong, that it's a big ball of gas. Right, so that, that makes no difference. All right, let's move on. Question number two. Whoops, I should put him up here. Why the ethereal music, though? It's, it's, it's typically a preset... Sound hey, hey, from hey, a we, synthesizer. It's not even a good one, but I mean, it's like you just hold. It's the same one throughout the whole video. And I'm not. This is why the ethereal music is what, or the ethereal background uh, synthesizer preset that you're holding the button down. Tatiana, glad you're here. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen you the last couple of times. Um, well, look, he's going through a cycle. This is what happens when you start a YouTube channel. You. We've gone through many stylistic iterations. Our music has always been on point. That's true. Period. <laughs> Period. All right, let's keep going. Okay. Convinced you that the Bible is a Man, dome. I, oh, shoot. I'm going all over the place. Yeah. Hold on. 
And now I'm just we're just talking about being professional with our aesthetic. No, my mic wasn't what working can... on the Pridgey cam. That's shot. That's I said music. I didn't say overall production quality. Okay, okay. Well, we try. We're not capturing Christianity over here, okay? Right. We're not what do you mean? All right. Uh what convinced you the Bible is true? <clears throat> What convinced me the Bible is true, that's a that's such a, you know, what convinced me that the Bible is true is that Jesus believed that about the Bible, and I want to believe what Jesus believed about the Bible because I believed in Jesus. So, simple. Yeah, um, I, um, let me... I became convinced that the Bible, I mean, I, I was predisposed to believe that the Bible was true. From an early age, I was taught inerrancy. I was indoctrinated. Thank God I was indoctrinated. Praise the Lord for good, godly indoctrination. Um, and were you indoctrinated? Yeah. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Praise God, because we're going to be indoctrinated with something. It's good to be indoctrinated with the truth. And so, um, but I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, I was indoctrinated in the sense that I was raised in a Christian home and I was taught Christian precepts, right? Um, but it's not like we were shielded from other ideas. I mean, I did, after all, inherit the great books of the Western world set from my own father who read through it, and I read through it, and there's a lot of uh, non-Christian literature in that. So it's not like it was like, don't... I mean, I was educated, uh, but there was a level of indoctrination of the Christian faith insofar I was instilled with doctrine. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was indoctrinated. So, um, and I went. To I the, I came up with the presupposition yeah. that it was true, and uh, but then when I actually became, you know, I, I began to question things uh, later on. One of the things that made it really helpful to me, and this comes up about every week on this show when we do the live stream, is that if. Um, if Jesus rose from the dead, and that's the biggest claim in the Gospels, then we can trust that the Gospel authors are telling us the truth about the biggest claim. Now, this doesn't get you inerrancy, but then that means that I can pretty well trust the Gospels, which means I can trust Acts, because Acts was written by one of the Gospel authors, Luke. And then I can trust Paul, because this principal figure for the second half of the book of Acts is Paul. And then that means that I can trust the rest of the New Testament, because it's either written by Paul or other characters already affirmed in the Gospels. And if you want to quibble about Jude, you can. And then, of course, in Luke, it tell, Jesus says in Luke 24 that, he, that the whole Old Testament is about him. Uh, so uh, if I believe the resurrection happened, I think I have good reason to believe the whole Bible uh, is at least basically true. And, of course, I believe it's inerrant. Part of the reason I believe it's inerrant, and this is going to come up later, is that every single time someone says something like, there's no such thing as the Hittites, the Hittites are a made-up group of people that never existed. And lo and behold, one day we turn a brick over somewhere in the Middle East, and it says, the tribe of the Hittites. And so it's, right. like, it's like, okay, well, maybe y'all should just stop saying stuff. Because now you go to Turkey, which is a predominantly Muslim country, even though it's technically secular, and you can go around to all the historical sites, and they're like, well, this was originally a Hittite tribe before Alexander the Great and blah, 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 blah. Everywhere you go, it was originally a Hittite tribe. Now we know there's Hittites. Uh, well, same, same with King David. Same with interesting question. I, I think the Bible is completely true, um, which is to say, uh, you know, it's free from error. But we've talked about inerrancy before. I mean, all the way. I agree with Bono in a sense that um, there are parts of the Bible that are it's poetic truth. There's parts of the Bible that are historical truth. There's parts of the Bible that are theologically true. You know, there's all kinds of different elements to the Bible that is it's not 
I mean, the narratives typically generally report history or theological history. If you, if you take uh, Luke Acts <clears throat> to be uh, ancient theological historiography, but uh, you have poetic uh, books in the Bible, and I think they communicate a type of poetic truth. So there's all, you know, truth doesn't have to be given to you uh, just as events, because that's not the entirety of the contents of the Bible anyway. So, But I, I do think that the Bible itself is true, and I continue to believe that it's true, because I've I, I found it repeatedly confirmed, and I haven't seen it overturned to think that it's false. But Yeah, so we have positive yeah. reasons to believe that it is true, and we keep seeing the things that are supposed to show us that it's not true get falsified. So um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ralph Comiao, Comier, Comal. Forgive me. Mo. Thank you so much. That is a substantial super chat. Shout out to Ralph C. Mo? <laughs> Thank you so much. And what's funny is like, wait, it I, has an image of of like a it has an image of something that I see here, like a like a pear on a rocket. Yeah. What it says in the in the thing here is pear character riding a firework rocket disappearing away before bursting in the sky. So thank you for killing that pear for us, Ralph. I appreciate that Como? so 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 much. Como maybe? Como, maybe Como. And then here is the weekly he says weekly Pritchett payment. Yes, he re he put in a post. Uh, Benjamin put in a post in the Theology Geek Fitness group that, that shows you the the tracking of this, and it's absolutely amazing. And we are super proud of of what he's doing. And keep down forty six point two pounds. Wow. Yeah. He's... Every week you keep losing, and every week week I keep not. Right. That's going to change at the first of the year, isn't it? I keep hearing it is. Yeah. Okay, um, so uh, let's. So we've answered that. Let's move on to number three. you that the Bible is true. Number three. Number He's about to say it. three. Were you raised by Christians? Yes. Yes. And if so, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you think that contributed to you becoming a Christian? Seven. Nine or ten. Seven. seven for you, seven for you, nine or ten for me. Yeah, but I was a worse teenager than you were, so that, I have to say that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with more rebellious. You know that whole thing. Yeah. So, well, yeah, we were raised by. I mean, we're perfect for like people that want to point out, oh, these Christians, they they already were presupposed to this. They already believed. They were raised indoctrinated. Then later they went looking out for evidence, and oh, lo and behold, you found evidence. Look, yep. That's what happened. Yeah, let me tell you something. I doesn't speak to whether the my arguments heart work. Is, doesn't speak to whether it's true. Look, when it comes to testimonies, right? I am totally moved by the 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 drug addict, the gangbanger, the criminal, the whatever that repents and, and comes to Jesus. Okay, equally as touched and moved by I became a Christian at age seven and have been faithful ever since. Testimonies. Vanilla testimonies to me warm my heart as much as any testimonies do. Praise the Lord. I don't understand why that's a problem. They, they, I mean, why, yeah. 
you know, why that's, oh, it's, you were raised that way, of course, <clears> and if you were born in somewhere, some other country with some other kind of parents, you wouldn't be a Christian. Who cares? There is so a what? place Does it have for, anything to do with the truth of Christianity? There is a place for testimonies from atheists, obviously. We get people like Lee Strobel. There's a place for people that have really um, interesting testimonies, like they were a drug addict or a prostitute or something, but um, but I've never understood, but there's a place for that. There's a context. It shouldn't be everywhere. Because it's like one year when I was the president of the Conference of Southern Baptist Evangelists, I was putting together a conference and this one preacher, I knew his background was he used to be a male stripper. And I told him, I said, don't 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 tell that. Don't tell that here. Not because there's anything you should be ashamed about your testimony. It's just that once and he's very he was very overweight at this point. And I thought once you say that everybody's just thinking about you that way. And, And we don't want that for our conference. And it's like, what are we supposed to do for like a drug addict or something like that? It's wonderful that God delivered you, but you don't like, yay, you were a crackhead. That's great. I mean, there's a context for that. There's a place where that testimony can be powerful, but you know, it, it could lead you to think, well, I don't have that great of a testimony. What's wrong with my testimony? So anyway, um, maybe you disagree with yes, me about silly. that. Yes, silly. I, parents keep indoctrinating your kids and raise them in the truth. All right, let's have keep more going. converts. Is it possible for someone to believe that they have a real relationship with God when in fact they do not? And if so, how do you know that your relationship with God is in fact real? Um, well, the answer to the first question is obviously yes. Yeah, it's possible for someone to believe that they have a real relationship with God when in fact they do not. And in fact, I think a lot of Christians will say that they probably suspect, like my friend Nick suspected, that... There are people who think that they do, but don't. Hey, look here. Dallas Wade, the author of this video, is available and in the chat. He says, as far as Christian channels go, I do like yours. Oh, well, praise the Lord, thanks. Dallas Wade. Thank you. You make me want to change my image. I like uh, get Miguel, a little, Miguel's comment. Get a little wig and get me a little uh, bandana. No. Glad you're here. Welcome, do Dallas. Do the bandana and you look like Martin Luther's haircut. I'm telling you. Uh, it's my comment. prayer that my kids' testimonies would be that they never remember a time in which they didn't believe. Right. Praise the and Lord. That's Amen. That's that's what I that's what I think. Now, as far as how do you know that your relationship with God is in fact real? Um, I know the way that I gauge this, and this your answer might be different, but the way that I I, I know that because to me, I have too many confirmations of my walk with God either in events that happen within my family or my church circle or whatever, you know, that I feel connected to, or, um, I see the continued sanctification in my own life in which I have it confirmed by elders and people that I respect within the faith. Um, it's not entirely guesswork. Um, the Bible teaches us, regardless of what you make of the Bible, we think it's true the Bible teaches us that you will know people by their fruit and the fruit of the spirit is evident. And so I think that that kind of life um, in a visible way is good evidence that your relationship is genuine. Well, and I'm not just talking about moral behaviors because there are a lot of moral non-believers too, but the things specific to Christianity, that the, the things that are Christian specific obedient acts, right? Um, 
which we'll we'll talk about next week uh, when it comes to like the way that you treat others, the way that you do your charitable giving, the way you you know. You, now I know that there are atheists who are charitable and stuff, but just the the Christian specific things that are that that why you do them uh, and that you do them, you know, with the the certain attitude that you do them. Thank you, Jose Martinez. Three dollars from Jose Martinez. What's up, Braxton and Doctor Pritchett? Happy hey. Happy Thursday. Yeah, so I think when other people are willing to confirm your 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 relationship because of your your growth in Christ, um, you have a greater degree of certainty than those. And I, I, Paul, I think what he's saying though is, if other believers in other religions have the same sort of have the same sort of belief that they have a relationship with God, like why are you know obviously you think they're wrong. How do you know it's not you that's wrong? Yeah, sure. That that's the easier question. That's easier to answer than your subjective. How do you know that your relationship is genuine? Because then you can compare worldviews and see which worldview is true. And that's the answer is I don't go by my feelings. Right. Like I, if I've said this so many times here, is that like if if um, if I'm talking to a Mormon and they're talking about a burning in the bosom that they're experiencing, I don't doubt they're having a spiritual experience. That's yeah. perfectly consistent on my worldview. Uh, I don't. What I want to know is the content of that experience. Is that God, or is the one that I experience God, or am I? Can I have a relationship with God and not ever get the touchy feelies, which I think Christians many do. Jonathan McClatchy. Well, says I think in the gets, context of asking Christians is quite, you know, ten questions for Christians. I think he's not really talking about your religious experience versus non-Christian. I think he's talking about within. That's he how says, I took the question. He says, "Is it possible for some?" Well, he says, "Is it possible to believe they have a real relationship?" Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. So I'm thinking he's talking Well, you about, answer that way. I'm going to answer this way. Right. But I, I think for, but I do think that that but I being surrounded by uh, your fellow Christians and them remarking ab about your sanctification uh, is a good reinforcement because Paul tells us uh, to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith unless we're just believing in vain, right? So, you know, we always got to do that. And so the idea that do I have Cartesian certainty? No, but we don't believe that's necessary anyway. So go ahead and answer the question he didn't ask. Okay. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, if if like I don't doubt that Mormon's experience, but I want to know if I want to know what's real. I get that he may be experiencing something that seems as real as what seems to me of my experience to be real. Um, or someone experiences at a Coldplay concert that seems to them to be real, or whatever. So, or Wiccans have some sort of supernatural experience. That are you gonna let me talk? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you. Merry Christmas. But probably not. Um. So the way you figured out is look at the evidence. There you go. Look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. Jonathan McClatchy's great because he says, "I've never had anything like that." And, and the only way I know is to look at the publicly available evidence. Yeah. So for us, it all comes back down to the evidence. We get that many Christians in the pews just have only the their personal experience with God, and we believe that's legitimate. But um, when it comes to evaluating, well, are they just... Are they, are they having the real one and not the Mormons? We go to the evidence. Now right. answer, but answer, how do you know that you, Braxton Hunter, that your relationship is not, how do you know that you don't have what the Calvinists would call evanescent grace? Well, I don't believe in evanescent grace. Um, and I don't believe in Calvinism, although I thank God for our Calvinist listeners. Uh, but the, the way that I know that I'm saved is not that your relationship with God is what? Genuine. 
Not just you know that you're saved from facts of Christianity. You've affirmed these properties. How do you know that your relationship with God is genuine? What does that mean? How do you know that you have a you know? How do I know I'm saved? Well, is your relationship how do I know with I'm God really a Christian? Well, uh, how do you or how know? do I know I'm walking with God properly? Right. I mean, your relationship with God is in fact real. What do you mean that God's real and I'm not making it up? No, read his question. How do you? Okay. Is it possible for someone to believe that they have a real relationship with God when in fact they don't? Yes, I say yes to that. Do you say yes to that? Yeah, of course. Okay. Now the second question: How do you know that yours is not like theirs? Oh well, I know, I well, if we're presuming the Bible for this question, like if we're presuming Christianity is true for this, is that your take? Yeah. I'm trying to answer his question the way you want me to answer it. No, so, I want you to answer his question, period, <laughs> instead of the question so, you never asked. So, okay, so so uh, there's 104 people watching this nonsense, including yeah. the author, who could just put in the chat what he's asking. But anyway, um, if I'm presuming Christianity is true for this, then I would say, okay, let's go to some place like 1 John and let's figure out what should be true of someone who's a believer. Do I rejoice uh, at being around other believers and being in the fellowship? Yes. Am I convicted of sin? Do I have, do I have an awareness of sin and do I want to be what God wants me to be? Yes. Have I repented of my sins? Yes. I mean, I think I made sure everything's true about me that needs to be true about someone who's a Christian. Does that answer it? Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> so basically what I said, you know, when I listen back to this show, when we get done, I hear you say all kinds of amazing things that I didn't hear when we were making the show because I'm over here looking at comments. I understand. I do. And before thing. we had the comments, just because I wasn't listening to you. Okay, uh, we've had some super chat, <laughs> some super chats here. Uh, I want to get to those real quick. We're not done with the list. We're going to come back. We have been honored with the the presence of the very person who made this video. Yes. And so I want you to answer the questions like the way that. I but if he's not here, you wouldn't have cared. Huh? But if he wasn't here, you didn't. You wouldn't have cared if I got it right. No, I wanted you to answer. I was curious about how do you know that you're. I'm. I'm suspicious of you, Doctor Hunter. Thank I, you. I want to make sure that I'm working for a guy who knows that his relationship with Jesus is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, praise Jesus for the Sheba dog saying goodbye. Good job while raising his thumb up. I really appreciate that. You never know. I mean, if I believed everything they said about you on the internet, you're a fraud and a liar. <laughs> Vera says I get hot hands instead of burning bosoms, but it's close enough. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, logical, plausible, probable set. Uh, and he's a YouTuber. Yeah. Um, he says Braxton clearly isn't saved because he makes his partner sit in the back and himself the main focus. Pride goeth before destruction. Amen, brother. Right there with you. There are actually Take good. Take it to heart, Doctor. There, <laughs> there are actually good reasons he's in the back. Namely, is that. We, we, we used to have this set where we were complete equals. In fact, Pritchett was honored because he sat higher than me. Yeah. But the thing that happened was... I have good posture. We, everything moved into, into my office, and we began to put this set together, and we were moving it all back and forth to the other room once a week for Trinity Radio, and it was like, this is stupid. It just needs to be all in one place. And since I make two out of the three videos per week, it needs to be here. The only problem is there's not really room. For yeah. both of us to sit side by side. We actually so, used to do this in your office, though. Right? What I did instead was I created a dedicated Pritchett cam because I want Pritchett to be a part of it. And I was willing to go the extra mile 
to do Plus, that. I can't sit up there because I can't work all the stuff. I don't know how to do all this stuff. Yeah. And if I learn how to do it, then I have to do it, right? So I don't want to learn. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what? Uh, so oh, we're doing a we're doing a question and answer. Right. With... So let's get back to the. <laughs> All right. Okay. There are tens of thousands of denominations of Christianity. They all disagree on either doctrinal. Are there tens of thousands? Yeah. Or theological issues, many of which are seen as essential beliefs. Or I guess it all comes down to how you like categorize it, right? No, there's, I, I, there's, I, I, yeah, there's maybe 30, 30, over 30,000. Last I looked at it, 33,000 somewhere. Where do you go there. to look for that? You can Google it. Are there websites on the internets on the Google yeah, box? And they'll have them listed by name. Okay. There's, there's One. a lot. Many of which are seen as essential beliefs or so there's that there's tens of thousands of denominations. Mm -hmm of Christianity, many of which are seen as essential beliefs or actions for one gain salvation. Gain salvation. How confident are you that your denomination is the correct one? Or if you don't consider yourself to be a part of a denomination, how confident are you that your personal interpretation of the Bible, especially concerning its doctrine and its theology, is the correct one? Okay, well, I want to first... The premise to this question is actually wrong because most all of those denominations don't have what we would call secondary or tertiary uh, issues within the Christian faith as necessary to affirm for a person to be saved. In fact, overwhelmingly, most of them don't. Okay, So there's only a few out of that that would add what everyone else and all the tens of thousands of denominations would say are secondary or tertiary doctrinal issues. So we need to we need to clear that up. That's actually not quite the case. Okay. Now, um, what what I am is a non-denominational Christian. Me too. And so at the moment because I was raised Southern Baptist, but what it means to be Southern Baptist is that you're giving to the Southern Baptist denomination and you're a member in one of their churches. And that's no longer the case. For and you it's not right the now. case right, right now. Right. We're going to we both attend the same church, One Life, and it's here in uh, Evansville and, and tomorrow and a campus in Henderson. And tomorrow our pastor is going to be on S.J. Thomason's channel, so go check that yeah. out. Yeah, um, Brett Nicholson, a student at Trinity. And so, how do I know that mine is not correct? Well, we don't claim to be but um our doctrine our church you don't claim to be correct no we don't claim to be the only one oh, yeah, yeah, versus yeah. all of them because we don't view it that way our doctrinal statement at our church is probably just a little bit more detailed than the doctrinal statement at trinity college of the bible and theological seminary mm -hmm. which is a very but it's still a basic minimalist orthodoxy uh, yeah I kind of doctrinal statement so we, we don't we don't we don't have to claim that we're the correct one against all others, if that's what you mean, because we think that <clears throat> if you affirm the, the 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 basic orthodox beliefs of Christianity that are affirmed everywhere in Christianity, that's sufficient to be correct. So we don't need to be more correct than, say, the Southern Baptists, because at minimum, the Southern Baptists affirm everything we affirm, and they probably affirm things that we don't. Uh, and well, Presbyterians affirm everything we do, and they probably affirm things we don't. But both the Baptists and the Presbyterians don't also don't think that we have to affirm the things that 
they affirm, in addition to what we affirm, to be correct either. Yeah, there's so, Christian unity about this stuff. Right. But if the question is, why, like if, if what stands behind the question is like, well, why didn't God clear all this up and everything? Here's the thing. Um, I think it's the case that God wants us to search these things out. In fact, Chris Dayton and I have been talking about an, an apologetic to, to this end that um, there's something good about seeking. You know, the, the Privileged Planet um, is a book written about how we are in exactly the right place where we need to be, not just to be in the like a Goldilocks zone to survive or to live for life to emerge, but also to observe the natural world around us. And I think that this shows the heart of God that he he wants us to seek and search and discover. And I don't think he's necessarily all that bothered by us arguing and, and digging with some secondary doctrinal issues. And, you know, Pritchett and I are the type of people that have had very great discussions with people who are Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic, um, all these different groups that where we disagree on secondary matters. But we, we're not consigning each other to the flames. We're we're. We're debating it out, discussing. That's what we do. Yeah. The, what God, I think, is most upset about is when it either turns violent or inhospitable towards one another. Now, the central issues, yeah. right? Are, are, we still don't want to be violent about it, but the central issues that are the things that matter most, like most like the deity of Christ, the uh, Trinitarian nature of the Trinity, the Trinitarian nature of the Trinity. <laughs> Man, I'm, I sound like an academic today, don't I? Um, yeah, the Trinitarian nature of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the bodily resurrection, the blood atonement. Um, th these things are pretty darn important, right? Yeah. If you don't believe those, the are, bodily you, are you a Christian? The, yeah. I don't, you know, so, so, you know, uh, I make it real simple because you've got one Bible, two Testaments, three creeds, four councils, and the consensus view of the first five centuries of the Christian faith. And that's affirmed East West everywhere. by all Libertarians belong in canon. So I'm sorry. Th th that's all. Now you are now there are a few and I'll give him this. There are a few, but it's not the majority that think you have to believe what I just prattled off. Plus this, this, and this, or you're not saved. But that is such a small minority uh, out of the tens of thousands of denominations. So, um, and those people, we pray for them, but, uh, libertarians belong in jail says, <laughs> <laughs> do you guys do video response requests? Not really, but we'll take it under, under advisement. Yeah. It's like weird Al. People try to get weird Al to, Hey, will you do a parody of this song? Will you do a parody of that song? Well, there's nothing like, wrong with him asking. Weird Al, yeah. And weird Al's like, I don't know harm in that, but no, I've, we we kind of follow our own creative underlings yeah. jesus mythicist video is pretty convincing made me go from skeptical christian to agnostic well i'll take a look at it but mythicism in general doesn't interest me the the i mean it's it's a joke in scholarship so i don't i don't know yeah. but but that doesn't mean the guy didn't make a compelling case and it doesn't mean that scholarship is right even though they're totally right about this yeah but i'll go check out go check out thank you for the super chat though but the I point really is i mean it convinced him so it convinced him so it's convincing to somebody yeah and, but but, but skeptical christian when when non-christian agnostic bart ehrman wants no piece of that and lampoos it you're probably sniffing up the wrong trail um let's see we had some other stuff um Logical, plausible, probable again. Thank, Thank you for you. another $5 super chat. Yes. Denominations are created by humans. I am a Christian, period. The rest is interpretation and excuses for conf conflict and division. So frustrating. 
Yes, almost. Uh, some of it is uh, for conflict and division. Other of it, other of it is, I think, a good idea. So, like, if you're the type of person that is just, I cannot be in a room with someone who believes in uh, that was real wine that Jesus. You're a fundamentalist, and by golly, Jesus did not use fermented alcohol which to me is crazy, but uh, if you're the type of person that wants to argue about that every single time, then yeah, there's a KJV church, you know, fundamentalist church for you and, and, and give everyone else a, a breather from your thing. Or if you just, you, you just cannot sit there with somebody who affirms Calvinism, or you cannot sit there if you're a Calvinist and, and, and sit next to him without driving everyone crazy about by golly, Calvinism is right. Or Calvin, you're the, Armenian says Calvinism is wrong and you can't sit there by a Calvinist and just get along, then yeah, I do think that going to a denomination uh, where you're going to be at peace with everyone else in your local congregation instead of squabbling and driving everyone nuts about your theological pet peeves, uh, denominations can be a good thing to help, you know, keep a little bit of... I'm a pre-trib, pre-mill, semi-Pelagian, evangelical, dispensational futurist. What denomination is that? Well, what do you believe about uh, the security of the believer. Do you believe you can ever abandon your salvation? Yeah, what do you believe about the King James Bible? Because if you believe in eternal security in the King James Bible, you're two steps away from a KJV only as fundamental. IFB. I, but I, I, be, I yeah. bet he's not KJV only. That's very rare nowadays. Yeah. But you might be a Southern Baptist. Yeah. Because that's a big... That's a big, uh, that's a big umbrella. Or, you know, a non-denominational Christian. Uh, this guy says... Wait, no. Non-denominational churches no, just, would take you. Get that. There was a guy here. I can't help but feel you're not answering the question. All right, let's directly answer the question. How confident are you that your denomination, or if you don't have a denomination, your personal interpretation of the Bible is the correct interpretation? Oh, my personal interpretation. Yes, I'm always right until I change my mind, and then I'm right. And if I didn't think that I was right, I wouldn't believe what I believe about my interpretations. So since yeah, but I do believe be, what I believe be, about my interpretations, I believe that I'm yeah, right. Yeah, but you could hold different beliefs in, to varying percentage points. Right, we've talked about that too. Yeah, so I mean, like, I, I mean, like, I'm, like, I assume I've got 20% wrong somewhere. <laughs> I'm probably wrong on some things. Maybe it's not as high as 20%. But I, I assume I've got some things wrong. But do I need that kind of certainty? I mean, again, it's about a search, you know? Yeah. I know I'm right about the essentials as much right. as, you know, that's what matters. Right, yeah. But everyone believes they're right about what they believe, or otherwise they wouldn't believe it. So I, that's not a statement of, of arrogance or anything else. Everyone believes that they're right, or they shouldn't believe what they believe. If you don't think that you're right, stop believing it. So. Someone said something about, I can't find it now, but somebody said something like, I've had enough of these Christians hiding in the dark corners uh, making excuses or whatever thing. Hey, I'm. We're not hiding in any corners. We're broadcasting to On a regular basis currently, to currently 127 people publicly, and before it's done, it'll be thousands. So. And we we're on a channel that has over ten thousand over ten thousand subscribers. Thank you, Thank you all awesome. so much for yeah. subscribing. And if you're not subscribed, Hit you need to button. do that. Or Pritchett Prime will bring a block of coal to you and put it in your. Uh, on your front porch. Right, because I have Santa powers. <laughs> what's the name of, of the all the evil... powers I could have, you give me those, what, right? What's the what's the uh what's the uh yeah, oh, logical plausible probable says, let me rephrase. Humans have used denominations to that. Yeah, point. there yeah. I agree with you. Um yes. Krampus. You're that doesn't work with Prime. I need a, something that works with Prime 
to, to be an evil Santa Claus figure. All right, let's continue. This guy, his video we're doing, yeah. has got to be so annoyed with this because just get to my questions. That's not how we roll here. <laughs> the Protestant Bible contains 66 books. The yep. Catholic Bible contains 73. The Ethiopian Orthodox Bible contains 81. Yep. And up until 1885, the King James Bible contained an additional 15 books known as the Apocrypha. The it current Protestant Bible so itself deep. contains references to more than 30 books and letters you, that Dallas are not Wade. contained within it. Even Jesus Christ himself references and quotes many of these books. There have been many Bibles which have included many many additional books, or excluded many popular books due to dispute among Christian scholars. Altogether, there have been hundreds of Jewish and Christian books that at some point, by some people, have been considered to be inspired by God. So how do you determine that the books in your Bible are all inspired by God, and how do you determine that the hundreds of books that are not in your Bible are not inspired by God? Uh, before you say anything, uh... De uh, where did he go? Dallas Wade said, I've been subscribed to y'all for a while. Did what, what did you think when you saw this today that we were going to do this? I just want, I never know that. Like what, what do people think when they're like, Oh, I'm going to be on their video. Was it like, Oh, that's cool. Or was it like, Oh, dadgummit. Or was it like, what, what's the impression? Anyway, how do you answer this Pritchett? Well, it's, you know, when if you count up echoes and allusions to non-canonical text, it, it's I mean, Paul echoes Plato, right? I mean, there's all kinds of echoes and allusions in addition to just citations of books that don't appear in the canon, right? But I go back to the I go back to the same thing that I said earlier about the Vincentian idea, the also called canon, the Vincentian canon of what orthodoxy is. You know, what that which is believed everywhere always by all and you know what here's the minimum the 66 books of the protestant canon is at minimum affirmed everywhere by everyone uh for all time so you can at least start with that now were some disputed yes there, there were there have been but ultimately over the course of the history and even in the early church history uh those 66 books that the protestants still affirm uh have maintained and i think that's due to the work of the holy spirit guiding his church in the truth um, as far as these other books, I, I can't attest to them because they don't have that, that whole thing. They are affirmed by everyone, everywhere, by all. And so I like all the doctrines, this, the ones that Braxton mentioned earlier. So I have less confidence in it. Could they be inspired? M maybe. We have no, we have no inerrant inspired table of contents, Right. So I'm open to it, but the fact that it's not widely accepted by everyone, everywhere, for all time, uh, I think we're on the most surest footing with the 66 books of the Protestant canon. Do I have a problem with them having additional books in their canons? No. Now this... I don't agree with it, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, what, what do you do when you disagree? What, what's the worst thing you can do? Um you can write them off and say they're not Christian because they have a bigger canon than we. No, I, I don't do that. Um, there's, other, you know, there are a lot of people who affirm the 66 books of the Protestant canon that I don't think are actually true believers. So, you know, this is one of those issues for me that um, one thing that Christian scholars will all agree on, at least the good ones, is even though Protestant uh, or evangelical or uh, 
the more paleo orthodox tradition don't consider the extra books canon and don't consider the church father's writings to be divinely inspired either whatever we all consider these extra biblical books and the uh, pseudo epigraphical books and the apocrypha we all consider them beneficial for study um but I, I would say the same thing about a lot of Greco-Roman lit- literature because it helps you reconstruct the world in which our canon was written into. Uh, and so it's helpful uh, for those reasons. Uh, and some, you know, like my favorite apocryphal books, Tobit, I think it's, it's great, you know, but I don't consider it inspired scripture. But the reason why I'm sure about the 66 books, not so sure about the others, is simply because the global church everywhere for all time and always... <clears throat> by everyone is those 66 books at minimum. It's a good answer. Yeah. I like that answer. Um, I would also say this doesn't, this is not like a, this doesn't work across the board, at least when it comes to the old Testament, but um, for the new Testament purposes, uh, I like the things that were written by an apostle or someone close to the apostles or under the, you know, like we'll say like Luke was, was running around with Paul. Um, Jude obviously is a special case, but apostle or someone close to the apostles in the old Testament, a prophet or someone close to a prophet, you, you do get, I mean, that's not clean entirely, but I mean, you know, who wrote Chronicles, the Chronicler, that's who wrote Chronicles. But these are just the standards <laughs> by which the early church fathers were going by too. Yeah. So, you know. so anyway, there you go. Um, but I mean, all the, all those other non-canonical books, I always encourage Christians to go read them, you know, uh, let's see, uh, Faithiest Atheist, and now I know who that is, and that is a wonderful guy. He's an atheist, but he's a wonderful guy who is my friend on Facebook, too. And I don't have many atheist friends on you Facebook. You mean someone who says their name is atheist in the title? He's an atheist? Shut up. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Whether we're religious or atheist, don't we all agree the vast number of people in the world are currently wrong to some degree about their worldview? I think he's backing us up when it was like... Everyone but me. <laughs> Thank you for the super chat, Faithiest Atheist. Yeah, awesome. And uh, Logical, Plausible, Probable says, you guys should do a 10,000 celebration stream. Yeah, we keep saying we're going to, but we just haven't. All right, uh, let's... Oh, one more from... Yay, Jose! Jose, he yeah. says, $5 from Jose. He says, some atheists argue that morality is objective, but that good and evil exist in an abstract platonic realm. What are your thoughts? Well, I, that is the problem with just a platonic realm is there is nothing for that to be grounded within, like non-natural moral realists that just want to make it platonic, like it's in the world of the forms. What's that mean? What do you mean? Plus, there's a teleology to morality that I don't think, like, why would it just that be? That would also require the demiurge to fashion it and so on and so forth. And then so, you're ultimately yeah. you're just talking about God again, right. because why well, would not it God technically? Why, in, in why would it be that it's it's wrong for a, one human being to take something from another human being? Why would that just be a fact about the universe? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't buy it either. You hear me? I don't. I don't buy. Unlike it. most, I won't say most. Unlike a lot of Christians on the interwebs, yes. I actually like Plato though. I love Plato. So many Christians, Plato, I hate Plato. Chris Fisher's like, Plato infected Christianity. You hear me, Chris. Plato's awesome. Many times the Bible refers to the earth as being flat. Plato smells awesome. Have you ever smelled Plato? 
as orbiting the Earth, the sky as being a dome, as well as the Earth sitting on pillars and being stationary. Christians typically don't believe that the Bible is being literal in these instances. Do you believe that the creation story in Genesis is also an instance where the Bible is not being literal? Or do you believe that it is a literal account of the creation of the universe? And if so, how do you determine that the Bible is being literal in this instance and not in the other examples? By the way, I'm picking on Chris Fisher. He is a patron, and that's why I pick on him. Go check out his channel, um, Reality is Not Optional, where he says, Plato sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's annoying. Stop it. Well, I agree with N.T. Wright that the word literal is a slippery, you know, and metaphor is also a slippery word. I do um, understand Genesis to be a literary framework uh, to communicate. Um, I think there is, you know, this whole idea of the cosmic temple inaugural, you know, I, I think there's something to functional ontology there. Um, I'm totally good with all that. I'm good with Christians who disagree with me on that. I'm fine with young earth creationists. I'm fine with old earth creationists. Wherever you come down on that, I'm just giving you my views. Now, hermeneutics with respect to literary genre is vital for when we think, you know, is this passage being literal or is it being metaphorical or, you know, however you want to divvy that up. You know, if, if you're, some of it's just basic reading comprehension, though. I mean, we can talk about we could talk about hermeneutics. Some of it's just basic reading comprehension, just how you would read normally. Uh, you can kind of tell if Jesus says, "I am the door." He's not meaning a wooden apparatus that you with a knob and handle that you turn and walk through. I mean, so I mean, some of it's just basic. Um, some of it, though, is genre dependent. You just need to know the genre, and sometimes a broader genre will have parts of it, especially in longer works, where there are also subgenres within that. Like, we would think that um, you, you could say, um, take Deuteronomy, largely a narrative, but it also has restatements of law. It has a song in there, so it has poetry in there. But overall, we'd say it's a narrative. But even within there, you have other subgenres. It's a you know uh, a mixed bag. So it, it all comes down to hermeneutics and properly executing the type of text you're reading will determine whether or not you take something literal or not literal. And people debate those things. I'm one of those weirdos fine. that doesn't grant the whole uh, Heiser and Walton thing that it is talking about. Um, the ancient cosmology. One of those weirdos, you're like most people, is what you mean. I'm yeah. like most people, and I don't really subscribe Yeah, I don't to buy do that. Okay, there you go. I don't buy that. But I'm fine if it is, and it's just being poetic or whatever. I just don't see that. I, or I'm sorry, that it's playing off of the, um, I think it is being poetic. But I'm, I, I, don't, I don't buy that it's actually just capitulating to their cosmology. Although if that is the case, I'm fine with that. Like if I could, if I was convinced of that, it wouldn't be a big deal. Now, like everything you said about the rest of it is fine. I mean, it's hermeneutics. You do hermeneutics. You do genre. And just basic reading comprehension. You know, when Jesus says he's a door, you know, I'm the door. He's not being literal. Right. Right. I mean, and there's some things that might not seem as obvious to us that aren't literal as they would have to the original audience been obviously not literal. 
mm-hmm. right? That's part of the reason of doing hermeneutics. You've answered that. You, you did great. I want to. Uh, so, dry apologist says, why assume you have some things wrong? Well, because unlike you and Pritchett, I I'm not omniscient and I'm not perfect in my reasoning. I have cognitive fallenness despite my lack of Calvinism, and I suspect I don't perfectly get things on the nail all the time. That's so true. But shut up. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no. Let me let me rephrase. I'm open to the possibility that. I could be wrong about things, but you but believe I'm not what you believe. Assuming that I'm wrong about things, yeah, it's okay. I'm right, and I believe no, that I'm I assume right. I'm probably wrong until I change stuff. my mind, and then I'm right. I assume I'm probably wrong on some stuff, but it has more. It's more the things I'm more likely to be wrong about are my speculations. Um, yeah. Provisionist Christian says, "Can a church grow without the, the gifts of the Spirit? Not the right way. No, nope. they can grow. I mean, yeah, I mean numerically, yeah, they can grow. They just can't grow the right way. Yeah." Okay. Um, let's we're, go we're back doing, to the. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll I keep forgetting. Yep. Yeah. We're here with you. We're here with you, Dallas. Dallas Wade. All right. In your opinion, what are the three best proofs that the Bible is true? And just to clarify, this question is asking for the three best proofs of the Bible specifically and not theism. Um, I think we kind of already covered this in a previous yeah. question, the way we answered it. Not that you didn't need to ask this one separately. Uh, I don't know that I have three. We just keep talking long enough. I have three. I'll give you three. Yeah. One is the one that I gave. I, I, I think that if you believe in the resurrection, you build out a case from there to the whole Bible, I think. And I, I, if you just go back and listen to how I answered that before, um, uh, that doesn't give you like an absolute proof. Depends on what you mean by proof. Proof, the way it's used in philosophy, is not the way we use it in everyday language. Um, I, I don't. I can't give you absolute certainty about it, but I think that there's good reason to believe there based on that. The second reason is, like we said, archaeology has confirmed a lot of the secondary facts. Like maybe not, maybe the miraculous stuff. Um, maybe, maybe you know. I know what atheists are going to do. This are going to say, okay, so what if you found out that. Uh, new, uh, like 2,000 years from now, they find out there really was a New York and the streets were really where this book says they were, but that doesn't mean Spider-Man was real. You know, right? I, I get that. I'm not talking about the miraculous stuff, but but the Bible has shown itself to be reliable in all those other things. And based on the resurrection, I have good reason to believe that it's right about the supernatural stuff. So, um, and then third, I believe that the Spirit confirms this to me, which I know is not going to be satisfying to an atheist, but it's still true nonetheless. Ditto. Okay. Those are the the three I was thinking. Is it better to silence the critics and avoid listening to criticism, or is it better to engage with critics and refute criticism? Um, Out of those two options, B. Depending on who you are. Like, what do you mean by silence? No, no, it's... it's I don't want I don't, I don't want, want anybody any to kill them. silencing the critics. <laughs> I don't want to I unplug want, their I, microphone. I want, I want you to silence yourself in front of the critics uh, if you if you can't respond to it because a lot of yeah, apologists yeah, that's are bad option. at what they yeah. do. Silence yourself, not the critics. Uh, yeah. But between those two options, it's better to engage the critics, uh, critics yeah. and refute the criticism than it is. Don't go silencing critics. Uh, now, as far well, the second part, if, if it was or avoid listening to criticism, there are people that I would recommend just avoid listening to the criticism, especially if you're a recent convert. Learn what we believe before you continue your steady stream of diet of what people think that we believe. Is An atheist wrong. should want that, too, because here's the thing. You could end up having a Christian come to believe that 
come to be atheists for bad reasons. Or, you know, you want them to, if you want them. Yeah, and then they start a YouTube channel and give all kinds of bad reasons. And then those YouTube atheists that you like so much make fun of them. And, you know, and we have to pick on other Christians, too. I mean, that's that's how it goes. So, or they, you know. they, they become an atheist for bad reasons because they didn't understand Christianity to begin with. And then they end up getting responded to on Trinity Radio. Yeah. Not that that's you, Dallas, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people that, yeah. Uh, but really, I think that should be a third option. Yeah. C, uh, stay away from the critics till you know what, you're, what you believe. Yeah, but B, between those two. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Which of these two options do you find to be the approach that most Christians take? Uh, neither one. Neither one. Most Christians are going to work. They're 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 apathetic. Yeah, they're they're not watching this stuff. Like, see, we get we get so and so has two hundred thousand subscribers, and so and so has ten thousand subscribers, and so and so has fifty thousand. Most people that you're going to meet anywhere in the church, they go to work, they go home, they hang out with their family, they hang out with their friends, they go hear a good word from the Lord on Sunday, and then they repeat their week. Most Christians are. Probably to a degree that it might be intellectually detrimental to their spiritual growth and their intellectual growth as humans, uh, more disinterested in all of this than they should be. Jay said only cowards stay silent. I, I don't know if you're actually going to be detrimental to the cause because you don't know what you're talking about. You maybe should stay silent. Yeah, sometimes there's wisdom and in, in, in read the Bible. It talks about it. Um, slow to speak. Okay, let's go on. We're almost to the end here. And lastly, are you open to the possibility that your beliefs might be wrong? Let me answer this one first, Bridget. Um, here's the thing, and that's number 10. So, oh, I just shut us off. There we are. So I said this very, very clearly in a video that I released this week uh, where I said atheists weren't allowed to watch the video. Um, and that is that, uh, yeah, I, you could falsify my beliefs in principle. And if you do, I will be convinced. However, uh, at this point, the, and every year, as years and years go by and more and more critical literature I engage with, it's very, very unlikely that I'm going to run into some argument that's going to do undo everything I know about the truth. Um, it's not impossible, but it's just, I, I mean, look, this, Sunday, I'll be 40 years. Oh, gosh. I don't want to be 40. I'm 43, and I look way better and feel way better and think way better and smell way better than I did at 40. Three of 40s those, are great. Three of those four things were true. Leave it to y'all to figure it out. Okay. They were I'm wrong. just kidding. Yes, that's true about you. You have really taken your... You've turned your midlife crisis into a positive experience. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, Here's Dallas Wade again. He says, this question comes from living in an environment where everyone who leaves the church is avoided and excommunicated by family and friends. And if they're outspoken, they are pressured to stay silent. Well, that's unfortunate. That's that is unfortunate. Now, I'll tell you what I have counseled. One time, a Christian apologist uh, who was. Maybe about to about to not become an atheist, but, but reject Christianity. And I counseled him, don't say a word until you figure this out, until you decide you're, that's what you're going to do. Because if you end up remaining, 
then you are actively working against kingdom efforts. And that's not a small thing if you end up remaining a Christian and believing Christianity. He ended up uh, actually becoming a stronger Christian, I think, than he was before. So that's a good thing. But in general, no, I think that, and that was an outspoken popularizer type person, but I I think um, in general, your friends and family should be open to this. What you're hitting on probably Dallas or what you're realizing is unfortunately the church has done a poor job, a lackluster job in preparing believers to communicate on worldview issues like this with a degree of knowledge about what they're talking about. And I wish that weren't the case. And so if they don't know, if a Christian doesn't know what, how to answer some of these questions. This actually is a part of my D-Men research um, at Luther Rice Seminary. I I actually had to, did empirical research on this. And it is the case that Christians who don't know how to answer these questions are not only just not wanting to talk to unbelievers and don't want unbelievers to talk to anybody else about this, they don't even want to study apologetics themselves because they're afraid that they're going to be caused to doubt. And because that is directly connected with their salvation and heaven and hell and all these kind of things, I don't want anything to do with that. And so the best thing for them, they think, is to stay away from it. And by the way, if you're going to talk about it, stay away from every other Christian. But I don't think that's the case. I think learn how the great Christian minds of the past 2000 years have answered these questions. Be prepared to have these conversations. Bridget? I'd forgotten the question since you talked forever. No, we already answered the question. What was the question? Would you change? What uh, are you open? Open to, to the your possibility mind? that you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, open to all possibilities, but uh, like you, I don't. I haven't heard anything that's going to get me. I haven't heard anything, and the older I get, I'm not. I don't think that I'm likely to. That that it will convince me that I'm wrong. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. Am I open to that? Yeah, I always stay open to the fact that it's possible. But do I think I am? No. And do I think it's likely that I'm going to hear some new argument to convince me that Christianity is wrong? No. But you know what? You know what you don't see Braxton and I doing? And I'm very proud of you, Braxton, for this. That was very... Oh, very, thank you. Very, you know what you didn't do? And what you know what I didn't just do? What's I that? didn't get all indignant like Richard Dawkins does when... What do you mean, what if I'm wrong? What if you're wrong? You know, I mean, it's just he gets all... Whenever someone asks him, what, the heck, what do you think that you're wrong? He gets all... Turns into a crazy person. What do you mean? I'm just... Dude, shut There's up. a great clip, and I almost made a video including it, but we're a cosmic skeptic. Alex O'Connor is talking with Dawkins and Alex O'Connor's like, don't you think it's important to study theology just because it's like impacted the world so much and Christian theology and like, you're going to be responding to Christians as an atheist spokesperson. So isn't it good to kind of know the details of what they believe? And he's like, no, super chat. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do that. And he's like, yeah, but it would be really important. He's like, "I, I don't have time for it. It was yeah, a super chat. Yeah, I know. I'm saying something important here about how Richard Dawkins said something I didn't like. He says <laughs> so many stupid things that even atheists don't Faithiest, like. Atheist, atheist, thank you for another $10. Just go ahead and become a Christian if you're going to fund our ministry like this. <laughs> if we agree most, Christ, most humans are wrong about our worldviews, might it be possible that we are naturally given to believe false worldviews? Not that we're all wrong, just that most of us have to be. Um, this was kind of a subject of something I talked about in my response to apostate prophet last week. And that is, he was pointing out how, um, neuroscience has shown us that we often believe wrong things and believe 
certain things for bad reasons. And I was like, you didn't have to wait till 21st century neuroscience to believe that you could ask anyone in the history of humanity. Uh, do people believe wrong things? Yes. Do they sometimes believe for bad reasons? Yes. That's not news. That's not neuroscience. That's not anything new. <laughs> and right. uh, I, I felt like he just like some people just like atheists. Just like I have to appeal to a scientist somewhere here. It's like a Baptist thinking he can't get in the pulpit without opening the Bible and reading scripture. But um, the, the thing about it is, yeah. So what we need to do is we need to roll that awareness of our biases into our investigation of the truth. I think that's the solution. And be aware of it. And we'll never be able to limit our biases completely, but we try to do it as best we can. And if you're not talking about bias, if you're just talking about we don't think good, <laughs> uh, which is maybe what you're talking about, I, I agree. But, um, but, but we have instruments and principles and we're aware of fallacies and things like that. And, and so we try to use logic and reason to come to the truth. And I think we can do that. And we did make it to the moon after all. I think we can figure out some things. Um, Dallas Wade says Dawkins is cringe. Yeah, I, but then he also says I really like Pine Creek. I do too. I always love my fans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I right. always make room for the little people. Well, listen, we made it to the end of this uh, of this video. It was brought in good faith, but don't go away yet. Don't don't click off. I I feel you through the waves of the internet, clicking off. Yeah, you don't you know. Uh, that did feel a little televangelist like put your hand on the screen put your hand on the screen I, i'm not healing you of nothing pal yeah you're just but, standing um, here with your hand on the screen <laughs> <that's all> <laughs> that brings me joy if you actually did that that you're doing that and just standing there feeling dumb that's great um yeah so uh so anyway we have some stuff we want you to know about number one we want you to subscribe doesn't cost you anything. Dallas subscribed. Dallas, as best I can tell, is an atheist or something. Maybe he's an agnostic. I don't know. Uh, and if he can subscribe, be like Dallas and subscribe. Um, also, yeah. And and if you're a, a YouTube atheist, why don't you make videos like this with interesting questions? Because oddly enough, Braxton Hunter also made a, a video for atheists to answer that were interesting. These were interesting questions. And I kind of like the, the, the 10 questions format. That's going to become a thing, but remember Braxton started it, right? It's been around. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch YouTube all day long. Like you, do. I have no idea. Oh, uh, all right. Um, I like the 10 questions. They were actually better questions than we've seen in a lot of, uh, atheist youtube stuff yeah organ playing in the background we need to get our tape recorder with our tape of just as i am it needs to be a tape not an mp3 uh all right well uh also hey if you really appreciate us visit us on patreon um at patreon.com slash trinity radio you would have gotten the video that i released earlier today yesterday maybe that's not much of an incentive but maybe five full seminary courses on major world religions um, Some uh, ebooks, uh, problem of evil, contemporary apologetics. You get a number of free ebooks, stuff I've written, things like songs that. songs from my uh, musical career. You get to hear Pritchett's raps. Uh, Pritchett's, yeah, he does rap. It's yeah. like a Lincoln Park style thing. Well, some of them, some are just you get all kinds dudes. of stuff yeah. if you're a patron. Now, don't become a patron just so you get the stuff because you might not like the stuff, but become a patron if you want. To my songs are great. Let me tell you about our patrons and how wonderful they are. I I produced about a month ago, a video just for the patrons. Um, and they, 
many of them were like, no, 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 no. That that you just produced is useful. And so it needs to be out there. Yeah. Isn't that a good heart? And and even better, because of our patrons, we now look like the set of a 1980s uh, space opera. That's right. <laughs> Hervey Schmervy says, TR, I'm somewhat KJV only. Go ahead and make fun of me. I'm not making fun of you. When have I ever made fun of? Uh, I, I've said I didn't. I mean, KJV onlyism, but not the KJV itself. I love the KJV. I love the KJV. I've been a big proponent. But I will say this. This is my problem with, with, with you folks. Uh, and by you folks, I mean KJV only is I have been trying for a long time to get people on board with stop denigrating the KJV. It is a wonderful translation. It is a wonderful, wonderful Bible. I love. And even though it's, it's not, not without problems. Man, yeah. Even, but, but when you elevate it to the same thing as the original autographic text that it's just these beliefs around it actually do it a disservice. And it's harder for people like me to read a King James Bible in public uh, without being accused of being one of you guys. When I just like the King, King James version and more people would go back and read it. If, if King James only weren't making so much hay about it, that people don't want to be associated with it. And that's a tragedy. Faithy the atheist, faithiest, atheist. Sorry, I didn't mean for my super chat to interrupt Braxton's thoughts about Dawkins. I didn't realize super chats were that immediate. I was willing to wait. No, 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 no. Nobody else here worries about interrupting our thoughts. So I you interrupt don't have Braxton to all the time, buddy. We interrupt each other's thoughts. Yeah. I get accused shut of up. it more often, though. <laughs> you shut okay. up. You shut up. You shut up. Uh, we was, know why people are here for the live streams. There was something else I was going to. Oh. Black Tuesday films. This is a legitimate question. I want to learn philosophy, theology, biblical studies, et cetera, but I, but I have anxiety about knowing everything. How would you recommend handling this? Well, if, if you're worried that like you may be exposed <coughs> to things that would cause you to doubt or like what the enemy says or something like that, it's legitimate to say, I, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Oh, uh, well, and, and so you, and so what you should do in such a case is take some time and just focus on your relationship with the Lord. But if you're already going to be watching worldview discussions on YouTube, including atheist content, um, then you should probably go ahead and start because but you're only going to get better stuff to respond to those doubts with. Don't have any anxiety about knowing everything because you'll never get there. I'm, um, I place myself in a category above my co-host, and I still don't know everything. So don't worry. If I'm not omniscient yet, contrary to what he thinks. Amen, Gregory Fisher. You won't, you're not omniscient. You you're said not I omniscient. was. You're semi. See, they're right. You don't tell the truth on this. You're semi-mission. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. You've got a long way to go to learn everything. It All takes right. a long time. All right. Well, yeah. Well, would you shut up, man? I don't want to be Come Joe, on, Joe Biden in this. I don't want to be Trump either. I want to be Braxton Hunter. The only president that I've ever been concerned about is that one right there. Wait, you're concerned? Uh, I thought you were going to say something like been loyal to or something. Okay, that too. You know, not concerned like I'm fearful of you doing bad things. The only one that I care about, I mean. U.S. presidents, they come and go. I've lived through, uh, let's see, Carter uh, for a few years. I was born in 77. So Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, and now by, the world will continue to go on its axis. All right. We should do a drunk string. No, we shouldn't because 
unless that's something else that what it sounds like um we don't believe in drunkenness is a sin yeah, man you're breaking the rules plus it wouldn't sound any different than it already sounds <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh listen i've enjoyed this today pritchett have you had a good time i have you're my favorite president braxton hunter you're my favorite vice president i pick you over kamala harris any day thank you or mike pence well, we've I had certainly a blast better you. than uh, the uh, what was his name? The guy who shot uh, Dick Cheney, the guy who shot his buddies hunting. Yeah. At least I don't shoot my buddies when I, I don't shoot guns or hunt. So, hey, we really appreciate all of you, not just the ones that gave super chats, but we definitely do appreciate the super chats. It blows our mind that anyone shows up to watch us. Um, yeah. I watch other channels that I think are better, and I'm like they don't have as many people watching. And I'm like, what's going on here? But Thank you so, so much. Uh, I pray that you all will stay with us for the long haul because we're not planning on going anywhere, Lord willing. And uh, we love love you so much. And every time you say something encouraging, it does encourage. Yep. Um, and if you're not a subscriber, we sure would appreciate that you become a part of this community. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to come to know Jesus. Um, Dallas Wade, thank you for providing the content for this week's episode. And thank you for your cool attitude about it. I like people who say, let's have a conversation because I'm a big fan of the great conversation because, you know, one more plug for the great book for all the people who play that drinking game about how I bet you he's going to say the great book. Yeah, we're participating in the great conversation here in the West, and I'm glad that he wanted to ask questions to further that along. So there you go. I have nothing. Oh, uh, somebody asked how old my kids are. I have a 24-year-old son. I have a 18-year-old son, and I have a 15-year-old. And with that, we'll see you next time on Trinity Radio.